Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. The message is, and the series is, something new. And I think for most of us, we would say going into a new year, most of us probably had some anticipation or some excitement that, that we're going into a new year. And it can be a good thing. And uh, especially as you've, if you've got some dreams, you've got some hopes, you've got some goals. And, and so the series over the next month is, is dealing with what the Bible talks about, uh, some of the new things that God talks about in Scripture. And, and, and last week I talked about a new message, and you can, you can go uh, watch that. But the gist of that message is that the, the message of hope that we have in Christ is, 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 is there. It's real. It's moving in our lives. And, and that new message isn't old. It's still new. And, and so we need to continue to be, to be partakers in that. Um, there, there's just a, there are a few things when you think about, uh, they're, they, they're just timeless. You, you don't really need a, a new version of it. Maybe like an old baseball glove. Listen, I have my sixth grade baseball glove, and it's on a, on a shelf at my house. And my wife is like, why is it in a place when people walk into the house? I say, because I like it. I mean, she's got, she's got this little cabinet that's got nine or ten cubbies. And there's a flower vase here and maybe something with our wedding here. That was important. And there was other little things. There were other little things there. And all I asked for was one little cubby that I could have my first baseman's mitt. And it's a nice old leather glove. It's a Mizuno. And, and you smell it and it smells like leather. I mean, it's a great glove. And I love my glove. And it's, and it's just timeless and it's great. And, and you like an old Chevrolet. I mean, and I say old because some of the newer ones, you don't even know how to fix them. But the old ones, you can fix them, or at least my dad could. I couldn't. Um, but the, the old, some of the older cars seem to do better. An old Maytag uh, washer, I'm talking about 50 years ago. Those things, you could drop them off of the Empire State Bill, and they'd still work. Nowadays, you get a washing machine, and what does it last? Six months? A year? Uh, there's, there's always something wrong with it. So sometimes the old things are really cool, and they last. But for the most part, how many of us would like to have a new cell phone that was this big no no there's remember those first cell phones you young people don't know what that was even like but they were huge they were like sat phones that the military uses I mean they're ginormous and and it wasn't like you could discreetly put them in your coat pocket like this I mean no no that you would have to have like a belt or or you'd have to have a briefcase some of the earlier ones that they had to have their own battery pack and so we're thankful that new phones came along and and computers early computers were ginormous my, my son's um, uh, fancy calculator he uses for algebra has more power in it than the first computer I had as a kid. I mean, and the, and the battery on that thing, it seems like it never goes out. Uh, and so sometimes it's time for an upgrade. It's time for something new. Well, hopefully you went into this new year thinking, this could be the year. Something new can happen this year. Something new. Well, now we're nine days into it, and you've probably made a determination, well, it's just going to be like last year. Or, or maybe you're still holding on that something new is coming. And, and I want to read to you from, from the writing of a man who most theologians would say was Jeremiah. In fact, in some occasions, Jeremiah and Lamentations, the two books were put together, uh, especially um, uh, for in, in Hebrew. And so we're going to read out of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. And the Bible says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Jeremiah is writing, and this is the middle of chapter 3. And if you want to go back and read uh, one, chapters 1, 2, and then the, in like the first 20 or so, 19 verses of chapter 3, you're going to see some of the things that Jeremiah talked with. He talks about bitterness, affliction of the soul. He is, he's heartbroken. He's been left for dead. In fact, if you know a little bit more about the story, when, when Jeremiah would prophesy for God, the people would reject him, and they rejected him so much they threw him in a well. And, uh, and thankfully, the well didn't have too much water in it, and, and Jeremiah survived. And, but, but Jeremiah is chained. He is thrown in a well, and all he did, the only crime he had was when God would speak to him, he would share it with the people. That was it. That's all he did. And so we pick up this passage, and Jeremiah is extremely down, extremely discouraged, and then in the middle of all of this pain, remember the song Pain Breaker or Chain Breaker? If you got pain, yeah, we've all had pain. Every single one of us in here has gone through a season uh, of pain when we've been discouraged, when we've been down, when it seems like there is no hope. And so in the middle of that, Jeremiah, he has it bad. And, and, and he says, but this I call to mind, this I remember, this I'm going to focus on. He says, I have hope. And I want to read you some of the things he said, and we're going to circle them. So hopefully you have your notes like I asked you to get, and I want you to circle three words. I'm going to give you the first one right now. It's in the notes. If you've got your Bible, you can circle that too, but um, in this note-taking guide, it's pretty easy to do that. I want you to circle ceases. Look at verse 22. The steadfast Love of the Lord never ceases. It, 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 it never ends. And, and, and though I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I did take four semesters of Greek, actually five, because I got in trouble on the fourth one. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about that another day. My Hebrew is not that good. And then my, probably my Greek isn't that good either. Uh, but the word ceases in the original language uh, is, is translated destruction or completion or, or something that is cut off. And, and so here's a word that can be used interchangeably with other, other things. In, in fact, Moses uses the same word in Genesis chapter 2, the, the, the Hebrew word here, and he says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. In other words, it ceased. It came to an end. That process of creation. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation so he rested from all of his work. It, it was finished. It was done. It, it, it ended. But not in a really bad, destructive type of way. It was creation took place. There were the six days of creation. And on the seventh day, God, he rested. And so we know that story. Moses told that story. It's been passed down. But the same word that Jeremiah is using here in Lamentations chapter 3, and, and it's in relation to the fact that God's love never ends. God's love is never cut off. God's love is never destroyed. And so even though things weren't going the way Jeremiah wanted them to go, even though Jeremiah's life was filled with some moments of bitterness, he says, but God's love, it never ends. God hasn't, God hasn't given up on me. And because of that, um, God hasn't given up on hope. And given up on hope to give it to us. In other words, he hasn't stopped 
putting hope in our lives. Creation ended after six days and God rested, but, but God's love didn't end. God still kept giving us hope. God didn't say, okay, I've given them enough hope to start, to kind of start the ball rolling and I'm done with that. No, God said people still need hope. And Jeremiah was experiencing this and he was remembering this and he says, God's hope never ends. God's not done with hope. So when you think about this new year, and maybe you're nine days into it, and you're thinking, ah, it seems like last year. No last year was like Jeremiah's. No year was like any year that Jeremiah faced. And yet he still found this, not even a sliver, but this this amazing amount of hope that says, I can make it through. Something new is happening. I believe something new is happening. I believe something new is happening in our church. I'm, I, don't, I can't really pinpoint it. I just sense it. And I don't know that I sensed it last year. But I see God's up to something new. And I tell you, if we can learn anything from, from Jeremiah here, it's to understand that God doesn't just cut out hope for us. He doesn't give up on us. He's not done with what he is doing. Creation's done, but you and I aren't done. No matter what your last year was like. God's up to something. Now, why don't you circle another word? Let's keep reading. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So every day, God is supplying us with this new version of mercy. He's, he's supplying us with something new every day. Every day, there's something for you. Not it's the same old, same old. Heard that phrase? No, it's something new. Wake up tomorrow and say, God, you've got something new for me, not because I'm hoping it'll happen, because I know it'll happen. You, you know, the, the definition for hope is, is somewhere in, in, in the, the Webster Dictionary. It'll say something to the effect of uh, to, uh, to kind of expect something to be true or or. You think something is true. Whether you believe it is true or not, you kind of you think it is. And then there's this other translation that says it's the expectation that something is true. In other words, there's kind of two versions of hope. One is, is kind of a, ah, I, it's, why don't you hear it this way? Oh, I hope that happens, right? And then the other is, I know it's going to happen. And, and hope can be used either way, and it really depends on how you believe. It's, it's, Man, I, I would really like for it to happen. That can be used for hope. Or, or the version of hope that I believe the God kind of we see in Jeremiah here is this, I know it's going to happen because I've remembered his goodness. I've seen that his mercies are new every morning, that his faithfulness continues. God doesn't stop what he's doing. Tomorrow when you wake up, you'll make a decision that, oh, it's the same as yesterday. Or it's another week in the new year. Or you can say something new can happen today. I believe God wants to do something new. Something new in me. Something new in my family. Something new in the church. Something new in my community. Something new in the job. God, start something new in me today to get the ball rolling. Jeremiah says, I've gone through all this junk. And yet God and his mercies, they haven't been cut off for me. 
His hope is still new every morning. And then he says this, great is your faithfulness. So circle the word faithfulness. If you circle mercies, that's new mercies, that's great too. But the second word I wanted you to circle was faithfulness. And, and, and I'm going I'm to show you where this word is used. I'm not going to give you the, the Hebrew word because you're like, ah, I don't really care about that anyway, and that's okay. But I want to share with you where that word is used in another passage in Scripture. Moses is using it here again in Exodus chapter 17. The Bible says Moses, there's, there's a battle taking place. And so Moses, is, he's, he's up on this rock, on this mountaintop, where all the warriors can see him. And it's, it's a verse I've quoted uh, throughout the years, and it's a pretty powerful passage. It says, Moses' arms soon became tired, so he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his arms. And so his hands held steady until sunset. And so uh, there's this battle that's taking place, if you want to go back kind of and think about how that was happening. And and Moses was lift up his arms. So we're going to do something here. We're going to do a little experiment. I want you to hold up your arms. Okay. And it won't be weird because you're all doing it, right? It's like when I'm worshiping and and I had my water bottle in one hand, I was holding up my hand worshiping. I'm I'm like, I wonder what people are thinking when I'm I'm lifting up one hand. And it's like, because the other hand was, I should have put it down, but I was losing my voice. And so I did that. And I thought, I wonder if they think I'm weird. Now, some of you are weird because you haven't put your arms up, but that's okay. Uh, so you're not all, now, okay, now we're going to see who can hold it through the rest of the service. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Imagine a battle is taking place. Okay, uh, you, Karen probably make it, yeah. <laughs> it's good to stretch, right? Yeah, so uh, Moses is having this battle, or the people of Israel are fighting their enemies, going to the promised land, and Moses holding up his arms, and, and, and it was like when Moses lifted the staff, the water parted, there was a miracle. So here Moses is lifting up his arms, and there's a victory There's a victory taking place. It seemed like every time Moses' arms were up, they would start to win the battle. But when his arms started to sink, the soldiers would start to lose ground in the fight. And and so they started noticing this, and so they they got Moses a rock to sit on, and then two guys, Aaron and Hur, got underneath him and kind of held his arms up. Here's the point. Man's, our hands, will often fail. And they will eventually fall. Whether, whether you can hold them up through the rest of the service or the rest of the day or the rest of your life, you know it's impossible. But, but God uses, Moses uses this word he, as he's describing what's happened. He uses the same word that Jeremiah uses about faithfulness. This word, steady until sunset is the same word steady that, that, that Moses uses to describe this event. In other words, God's hope is steady. God doesn't, his arms don't get tired and they drop and they're like, I'm done with these people. No, something new every morning. And what we need to understand is that God is steady. He hasn't stopped what he's doing. He hasn't got tired because we are tired. He is faithful or steady. Um, I, I wanted to, to just share a little bit about um, um, steadiness as we've seen. One, I was talking to Tom and Karen a, a few minutes ago before the service started, and I, I approached them. I approached them about, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, Tom, a month ago? I don't know when it was. About a month ago, and I said, I said guys, I need some help. And they're like, okay, what is it? I need some help at the New Braunfels campus. 
And so you know, some of you know we have two campuses up there, and we're trying to get some momentum going up there as well. And, and I said, I need, some, I need some people who will just help me get some momentum. And, um, and I asked them if they would go and serve up, up at New Braunfels and kind of move over from this campus over to that campus. And, and let me tell you something about missionaries. And I've been in missions, and I continue to be our missions director for the district. And every missionary that I've known, there's a steadiness about them. There's something about them that no matter where you ask them to go and what you ask them to do, they're like, I'm in. Even though it looks like it could be a tough situation, I'm in. And, uh, and, and missionaries have gone all, all over the world with that kind of an attitude. And so um, the other day Tom said, we're in. We're going to go. That steadiness to me. That's the steadiness of faith. What, what would happen if, if I came up to you today and said, oh, man, I, I really think God's calling you to to run the children's ministry. Oh, what? I'm out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know what God's going to do this year, but it's something new. But each and every one of us have to understand that God is steady and God is faithful, but he's also looking for a church that's faithful. He wants to do something new. He, he, he's, he wants to put this new hope inside of us. God is steady. Are we? Last word I want you to circle. Verse 24. The Bible says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. I remember when I was a college student and we were, we were trying to make in, well, we didn't make ends meet. We were living off of nothing as most college students were. And, and I loved ordering the, the, the little Caesars pizza you get uh, for like two for eight bucks or something like that. And, and roommates, let me tell you something, men or young men, we eat a lot. Uh, if you've got uh, any uh, teenage boys, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I remember when the pizza would come in, but what all of us did without saying a word, we looked to see how it was cut up, and we started to look at what our portion was going to be. Like, okay, I get three, he gets three. Oh, that guy didn't chip in, he's getting two. You know, you kind of you, you kind of figure it out, and, and you work it out amongst yourselves, but there's that portion. that This is mine, right? This is what belongs to me, right? Look, look what it says. Look at the scripture. It says, the Lord is my portion, Says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. That word portion can be translated, the Lord, I have a right to the Lord. Or there's, a, there's what God is offering me, I have a legal right to it. And, and so, and so we, we jump over to, to Nehemiah chapter 2. And here, once again, this word is used in another part of scripture. And the reason I've been doing that today is I want you to understand that sometimes you can understand what a word means when you see how it's used by other people. Now, if I say, well, that's bad, you'll probably think, okay, he's 49. Bad means it's probably really bad. But now if somebody who's 12 or, no, 25 uses the word bad, you're going to say, oh, that, they mean it's cool. Now, if somebody 12 and under uses the word bad, you're going to think, oh, they're weird because nobody uses that word at that age, right? So bad has different connotations depending on who uses it. So you need context. So I want to give you some context. Nehemiah 2.20 says, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, no legal right or historic claim in Jerusalem. So God had called Nehemiah to go back out of exile to rebuild the wall, the, the protective wall around Jerusalem. And it's 
historically after the Babylonians had taken them into captivity. And so there was this new wave of people who came back in and they saw the destruction of Jerusalem and said, no, we need protection. We need an outer wall. We need a, we need a shield around us. And so they said, well, we need to build a wall. And Nehemiah says, and he tries to get people organized. But he had some opposers. He, he had people who said, you shouldn't be doing this. They were his enemies. And so Nehemiah responds this to them. He says, we're going to succeed because God is in this. And then you will have no portion you will have no right. You will have no part of it. Forget two slices. You're getting none. Zero. Look, look, look what's happening here. So Jeremiah says and uses this word. He says, I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm beat up. But I have hope that something new is coming. I have this new hope rising inside of me. Why? Because I know God is my portion. I have a right to God. I am his child, and he has something for me. Not because of anything that I've done, but everything because of what he has done. And so this is this legal right. God has given us a right to hope. You know, I believe there are some people in here who would say, well, I've messed up so much that I don't think I'm allowed to hope anymore. I've, I've, I've done things that I've never shared with anybody on the planet, and if they knew what I did, they would agree with me that there's no hope for me. And I want to tell you, I believe that's a lie from the devil. I believe what Jeremiah is saying is that we have a right to God. We have a right because we are his children, because of what Christ done on the cross for us. We now have access to God. We now can say, God, you are my portion. You have something new for me today. Because your mercies are new today. And they're be new tomorrow and the next day today if you walked into here and and you just need a little more hope if you needed a new hope then look at the story of Jeremiah and remember that today starts a new hope for each and every one of us for more information about this podcast and other ministries visit crossroadstx.church